Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Stuart Mazell, and I am the lead pastor here. It's great to see all of you here. Thank you for being here with us. Those of you who are visiting with us, thank you for choosing to worship with us today. Those of you who are joining online, and those of you who are listening by podcast, thank you for doing so. We're, we're very thankful to have this opportunity, whether in person or whether virtually, uh, to, to be able to be the church and to worship together, uh, to sing, to pray, to hear God's word. It really is a great privilege and a great honor for us. And I hope everyone understands that. And if you don't understand that yet, I hope that by the end of the sermon, you'll at least get a glimpse of just how important it is that we listen uh, to what God has to say to us. Speaking of, today we're continuing our series on values. We've seen how Jesus is the most valuable person in the universe and how his kingdom is more valuable than anything we can have here on earth. Today we're going to be looking at valuable words from Psalm 19. Psalm 19 verses 7 through 11. This is God's word and he says this. The law of the Lord is perfect. Reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true. And righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Let's pray. Father, you tell us that your word is a light and a lamp to us, that your word is breathed out for our good, that it is profitable to us, and you tell us that your word shows us who we are, who you are, and what you have done for us. So today, would you open our eyes that we would see wonderful, beautiful, amazing things in your word. And by your spirit, allow us to take that word in and let it really change us from the inside out. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the last few weeks I've been showing you something that's really expensive and then comparing it to something that we're talking about in the scripture passage. Today's no different. I want to show you a manuscript 
this manuscript, as you can see, it looks, it's on like parchment paper and it's scribbles and you probably can't read a word of it. This is what's called the Codex Lester. And it is a 72-page manuscript written by Leonardo da Vinci. The manuscript is a collection of da Vinci's scientific writings. And in 1994, 1994, Bill Gates purchased this manuscript. He purchased it at an auction at Christie's in uh, New York. Any guesses on how much he purchased it for? $30 million. $30 million. Considering inflation, because that was back in 1994, it would be over $56 million today by the same standards. If I did my math right, and I'm not saying I did, because I don't know exactly how many words there are on each page, but apparently, if you were to pay by word, it's like $2,500 for every word on the page. That's pretty expensive for words. One could say that these words are some of the most valuable words in the world. But there are words that are more valuable. And that's what we want to talk about today. Da Vinci's words are valuable, sure. But there are words that are much more valuable. What God says to us is much more valuable. Because what God says to us is immensely valuable. More valuable than just a measly $30 million dollars or $50 million, or $100 million. What God says to us is immensely valuable. And that's what we see in this passage in Psalm 19. I'd like to walk us through this briefly. In verse 7 of Psalm 19, we read, The law of the Lord is perfect. The testimony of the Lord is sure. So both law and testimony, things that God says to us. Verse 8, the precepts of the Lord are right. The commandment of the Lord is pure. Again, we're talking about things that God says to us. Then in verse 9, we hit this word fear. The fear of the Lord is clean. And we think, wait a second, that doesn't seem to fit the pattern. But then look at the next word, the next phrase. The rules of the Lord are true. All of these words, even the one fear... They're they're pointing to what God says to us. Law, testimony, precepts, commandment, rules. Fear, oftentimes in the scriptures we hear that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And that's one of the reasons why we believe that even when the psalmist says the fear of the Lord, he's talking about the word of God. The word that is truly wisdom the word that is the beginning of real wisdom by looking at his word. So all of these words talk about the word of God. And then verse 10 says, more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, 
sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. So what the psalmist is saying is that what God says to us is immensely valuable. It's more valuable than gold. If you took all of the gold in Fort Knox and you buried it in your backyard, it still wouldn't be worth the words of God. And notice also, I love how this, when we talk about value, that's one thing, but that the word of God is sweeter than honey. Honey is one of the sweetest substances on the face of the earth, besides like saccharin and those kinds of artificial um, sweeteners. A natural occurring sweetness from honey. And God is saying, my words are not only valuable, they're sweeter than one of the sweetest substances in the world. Is that the way we view God's word? I hope so. But if not, I want us to think about why God's words are so valuable. If they really are more valuable than gold, if they really are sweeter than honey, why is that? That's what we want to talk about in this sermon today. So God's words are valuable to us for several reasons. I'm going to point out three today. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be a real pastor now, a real preacher, by having three points. Unfortunately, they do not alliterate. God's words are valuable to us for several reasons. The first is, and this one, you're never going to expect it because it's so easy, so simple, that you probably would think past it. God's words are valuable to us for several reasons. The first is, they are God's words. That's why they're valuable. They're God's words. You know, my words may not be of very much value, but God's words are valuable because they are God's words. Think about what he says in this passage. Again, verses 7 through 9. The law of the Lord. And you notice the word Lord there is in all caps. Have you noticed that? Whenever you're reading in the Bible and you see the word Lord in all caps, that's saying Yahweh. That's the name of God, Yahweh. And that's what it's supposed to be indicating. If you ever see uh, Lord in lower caps, that's Adonai, which is another way of just saying Lord in general. But this is the name of God. And the law of Yahweh, the law of the God of all gods, is perfect. The testimony of the Lord, of Yahweh, is sure. The precepts of the Lord, of Yahweh, are right. The commandments of the Lord, of Yahweh, is pure. The fear of the Lord, of Yahweh, is clean. And the rules of the Lord, of Yahweh, are true. I don't know about you, but I can use some words that are perfect, that are sure, that are right, that are pure, that are clean, that are true. Because I hear so many words today that are imperfect, that are not sure, that are not right, 
that are not pure, that are not clean, and that are not true. You have that experience too? We all do. There are so many words around us. People speaking, the television blaring words, the internet full of words. And what can you really trust? What is real and true? What is right and good? It's hard to discern at times. But the psalmist says, because these are God's words, they're perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true, we can trust them, and therefore they're valuable. But there's, a, there's another reason why God's words are valuable, because they're God's words. They're God's words, and God is God. And I know that sounds so simple, but he's not me. He's not you. He's God. He's the one who created everything. In fact, He used words to bring everything into existence. He said, let there be, and there was. I don't have that kind of power with my words, but God does. He said, let there be, and there was. And so God's words are powerful words. They are words that can bring things into existence. They are words that can call things that are not and make them something that are, and words that can say to something that is and change it into something that is not. That's how powerful God's words are. But even more than that, and I want you to think with me about this, just for, just for a few moments. When you go get advice from someone, you know, you say, hey, I'm, I'm having this issue I need some advice. And you go to a trusted friend. And you ask, what do you think? And they may give you good advice, or they may not. But the God who created the universe, the God who is wise beyond our comprehension, in fact, the God who knows all things, he created you. And He knows everything about you. Everything. There's nothing that's hidden. Not one thing. And not just you, He knows your situation. He knows your situation better than you know your situation. He knows every molecule, every atom, every electron and proton, all the little tons that are in there. He knows it all. And how they all fit together and how they all work together. He knows it all. And so when we need to know something for certain, where do we go? It would make a lot of sense for us to go to the God who not only created us and knows how we are supposed to live, how we're supposed to work, but also who knows it all and can tell us this is where, the way you should go. This is what you should do. This is how you should do these things. It makes sense for us to value His words above every other word. 
You know, when my, um, when Don and I had our first child, we didn't know anything. Well, we thought we knew a lot, but we really didn't know anything. In fact, we did not know how to put together toys for our child. And there was this one particular toy that I still remember to this day, the frustration I had of trying to put this thing together. Anybody know what an exorcer is? Okay, if you don't know what an exorcer is, it is one of those little contraptions that you can put a child in, a little baby in, and it holds them up, and they're not ready to stand yet, but if you give them some support, they'll stand, and it has all these things on it that you can play with. Exorcer, because it's kind of like a saucer. So we got an exorcer, and I thought, okay, I'm going to put this together. I can do this without reading the instructions. I'm a smart guy. I went to Duke, after all. I could not figure it out. And it was driving me insane. And finally, I had to humble myself and go to the instructions and go, okay, what do I need to do? And I realized I had done the very first couple of things wrong. And that's why it wasn't coming together. How often in life are we trying to live in a certain way and we're not willing to go to the one who has given us instructions on how to live, on how to put our lives together, of how to make our lives to be what it's supposed to be. But instead we think, I can do this on my own. I'm smart enough. I got this. And then we find out that we messed up the first and second and third step before we even got started. God's words are valuable to us because they come from Him. Because God knows everything. And if He knows everything, why settle for something less? Why go to anyone else for advice, for help, for comfort, for anything. God knows it all. Let's go to Him first. And then we can go to others and we can ask, what do you think? But God, His words are the most valuable. So God's words are valuable to us because they're His words, but God's words are valuable for another reason. And this is number two on your list. God's words are also valuable to us because they are profitable to us. They're profitable to us. They give us something. God just doesn't go around saying, okay, here's a command. Don't do this. Don't do that. Do this. Do this. And they're just arbitrary things. No, he created all things. And so his laws, his commands, they're things that help us to know how life is supposed to be lived. I've said this before in another sermon, but it's such a good illustration, and I feel like I've got to keep saying it over and over again. And it doesn't originate from me. It actually originates from a pastor that I um, went to his church years ago when I was in my early 20s. He said that God's law, God's commands, God's word is like a fence in the backyard. You tell your child to go and play in the backyard, And that fence keeps them safe. Keeps them safe from 
the mean dog that's down the street that could come and attack your kid. It, it keeps them safe from wandering out into the road and getting run over by a car. It keeps them safe from wandering off and getting lost. The law of God is like that fence. It keeps you where you need to be. It's profitable. It's not something that hinders you. It's something that keeps you where you need to be. And so God's words are profitable to us as we see in 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17. All scripture, all of it, is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Don't you want to be complete? Don't you want to be equipped for everything that God calls you to do and to be? The way you become equipped is by the profit of the valuable scriptures. And we see this also in Psalm 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect. What does it do? It revives the soul. Who would like to have their soul revived today? The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. How many of us would love to have real wisdom? Verse 8, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. How many of us would like to rejoice from the heart today? The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. What I wouldn't give for having my eyes to be so enlightened that I can see life for what it really is. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. What I wouldn't give for words that don't just fall out of my lips and fall to the ground and they're worthless, but words that are so valuable that they last forever. God's words are like that. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Don't we want words that are true in all respects? True no matter where you read them. True no matter where you hear them. True no matter how you put them into practice. They're always true. Don't we want that? That's God's words. And then in verse 11, Moreover, by them is your servant warned in keeping them there is great reward. Living by God's truth is a reward. Doing what God has called us to do has a reward. Now I know you might be thinking, well, wait a second, that sounds like works. That sounds like works righteousness, Stuart. And I know you, and I know what you're going to go say next. I know what your last point's going to be. It's going to be about Jesus, and now Jesus has done it all for us. And you're right, but in the midst of what Jesus has done for us, and he calls us to obey, as we talked about in uh, uh, Titus 2 from the confession of our hope today, he has set us apart for him. He has made us his own people who are zealous to do good things. That's who we are in Christ. And so how do we know what to do? We look at God's word and we say, oh, this is what it is. And there is reward in obeying God. 
God's words are valuable because they're profitable. They're more profitable than gold. They're more profitable than the stock market. They're more profitable than your retirement fund. They're more profitable than anything you can invest in. Why wouldn't we invest in God's word? So far we've seen that God's words are valuable to us because they're God's words and because they're profitable. But there's one more. And again, if you know me, you know this is where we always were going to land. God's words are valuable, not only because they're God's words, not only because they're profitable, but God's words are valuable because they show us Jesus, the Word made flesh. If you don't hear anything else that I've said today, at least hear this. God's words are valuable because they show us Jesus, the Word made flesh. In John 1, verse 1 and verse 14, we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. You want to know what God's Word says? It always says Jesus. That's what it always says. From Genesis all the way to Revelation and everything in between, if you're reading the Scriptures, hear me. This is the most important thing I'm going to say today. If you're reading the Scriptures and you don't see Jesus, you're reading them wrong. If you're reading the Scriptures and you don't see Jesus... You're reading them wrong. Keep reading until you get to Jesus. If you're reading and all you see is there's a bunch of laws that you feel like, oh God is just, He's ruining my fun. You're not seeing Jesus. If you think, well I'm reading the Scriptures and all it talks about is how I can escape from hell and that's all there is. You're not seeing Jesus. If you're reading the Scriptures and you think, man, this is a bummer and all these genealogies and all these laws and all these things in it and I can't even understand it and you don't see Jesus, then get to Jesus. That's the most important thing about the Scriptures is they point us to Jesus. Have I made my point? Please, read the Scriptures and look for Jesus because everything else is not going to give you what you really need. You want profit? Jesus is the prophet. He's the prophet as in speaking. But I'm talking about profitable. You want to know what God is really like? Look to Jesus. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I had a conversation with someone over breakfast recently where we were talking about this, and he was talking about how sometimes in the Old Testament that God just seems really mean. And I told him, I don't know how, I don't know exactly how to understand everything in the Old Testament, but I do know this that if we ever think that God is just really mean, then we need to look to Jesus first and then go back to those mean passages. 
because God has revealed himself fully in his word, which is Jesus. And so if we're thinking God is mean, we haven't understood God because we haven't looked to Jesus. Do you hear me? This is important stuff, folks, because the world wants us to be religious in a way that, you know, we keep to ourselves and we live our piety to ourselves and we just deal with ourselves. But Jesus isn't about being to ourselves and and just piety. He's talking about something so much more expansive, so much more wonderful, so much more amazing. He's talking about a kingdom that will never end. A kingdom where, like we talked about last week, where everything is new. That's what Jesus is talking about. And so what God is saying to us through Jesus, I am making all things new. And if you think I am just blowing smoke here. If you think that I'm just saying this because, well, you're a pastor and you're supposed to talk about Jesus and you've got to find a way to put Jesus in there somewhere. So if that's what you think, listen to what Jesus himself says in John 5, 39. I love this passage. Jesus is talking to religious people. And he says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they, the scriptures, that bear witness about me. In other words, when we come to the scriptures, if we're reading the scriptures and don't see Jesus, we haven't understood them. Those genealogies those weird laws in the Old Testament, those moments, those poetry that we can't understand, whatever it may be, it always has to lead us to Jesus. And so I plead with you, church, I plead with you, if you're not a Christian and you're reading the Scriptures, keep reading until you get to Jesus. Now maybe you're asking, well, Stuart, how can God's commands show me Jesus? Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. How do those show me Jesus? Well, first of all, everything that Psalm 19 says about God's word is true of Jesus. Jesus is perfect. He revives our souls. Jesus is sure. He makes wise the simple. Jesus is right. He causes our hearts to rejoice. Jesus is pure and He enlightens our eyes. Jesus endures forever. His truth endures forever. His reign endures forever. His salvation endures forever. And His love for us endures forever. Jesus is true. And He is altogether righteous. So everything that this passage tells us about the law of God is true of Jesus. But there's another way that God's commands point us to Jesus. If you pay really close attention to the commands of God, we realize none of us measure up. I remember, and I hope... 
forgive me for uh, bringing this up, Donna, because I know you're going to be like, oh, I wish you had asked me this ahead of time. But when we were first married, and Donna had not grown up in a Presbyterian church, neither had I. Both of us had grown up in a Baptist uh, church. And so we really didn't know anything about the shorter catechism. We didn't know even how to spell catechism, let alone know what's in it. I still remember I brought home one of those little pamphlets with the shorter catechism in it. And if you don't know anything about the shorter catechism, it's a question and answer form to teach you about the faith. And there's this one section where it goes through the Ten Commandments. And Donna read through those questions about the Ten Commandments. And she came to me and she said, I thought I was doing pretty good until I read how the catechism talks about God's, God's laws, God's Ten Commandments. And then I realized, I'm messing up all over the place. That's, that's how we all are. Messing up all over the place. Because God's word, God's truth, God's law, God's commands, they all show us that we're sinners. They all show us that we fall short. They all show us that we just, we can't get there from here without some help from God. And God has given us that help in Jesus. The one who left the glories and the wonders of heaven and he came to be the word made flesh. 33 years of obeying his father. If I can obey for 33 minutes, I think I'm doing well. He obeyed for 33 years on our behalf. And then on our behalf, He took the curse of our sin upon Himself. He took my sin and your sin and the sin of people all over the world on Himself. And He said, I will become sin in a sense so that you who believe can be the righteousness of God. Let me say that again. Jesus took our sin upon Himself at the cross so that He could give us His righteousness. So that in Him, we are His righteousness. That's how God sees us now. That is how the law of God can draw us to Jesus because we see how we mess up and we say, I need a Savior. And then the Father says, look what I have here for you. It's my Son who's perfect, who's righteous, who's pure. He's yours. Take all the profit from Him you want because He is for you. Mm. So your action point for today, and it should be fairly simple to figure out, spend time engaging God's valuable words in Scripture. Spend time engaging God's valuable words in Scripture. You know, providentially, I was talking with um, one of you this morning, and we were talking about how we need to feed ourselves with the Scriptures. How many of you go a whole week without eating at all for your body? 
how well do you think you would do? Probably not that great. Be a little hangry. Be a little frustrated with people around you because you're hungry, hangry. Right? You'd be a mess. Donna can tell you the days that I don't pray and read the scriptures like I need to be. Because I'm irritable. (laughs) I mean, I'm irritable anyway, but I'm even more irritable (laughs) when I'm not spending time in the scriptures. Because there's profit there. Because it shows me Jesus. Reminds me of my sin. Humbles me. Brings me to my knees. It gives me what I need to be what God has called me to be. And I would tell all of you, spend time engaging God's valuable words. If you really do believe that God's words are more valuable than gold and they're sweeter than honey, why wouldn't you have a feast? Last illustration that I want to give just to kind of push this. Sometimes Don and I go out for walks in our neighborhood, and there's almost always somebody out grilling. And you smell that meat, and it smells so good. And there have been times where we've had, we've, we've eaten our fill of our dinner, and then we go out walking, and as soon as that smell hits our nostrils, we're like, I'm ready to eat again. That smells so good. I want more of that, right? That's the way we need to be with God's word. We smell it and we go, oh, man, I want some more of that. But another thing, I don't know you know this. (laughs) You ever had someone say, hey, come over to my house and we're going to grill out and I'm going to grill steaks. And you're like, oh yeah, that's exciting. And they put the meat on the grill and they haven't marinated it in anything and they haven't seasoned it with anything. They haven't put anything on it at all. It's just a slab of meat and that's it. You ever had that? It's not really all that great. I mean, I love meat, but you need something to bring out the seasoning. You got to marinate it in something to let the flavors really come out, Right? In the same way, we've got to be people who marinate in God's word for the good to start coming out. So that's what I'm going to ask all of you to do. Marinate. Marinate in God's word. Marinate in the scriptures. In the name of Jesus and by the power of the spirit, let's marinate in the scriptures more and more so the good stuff will come to the surface. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, help us to marinate in your word, to taste and see that your word is good because it shows us you. And by the power of your spirit, cause us to really value your word that we wouldn't want to go a day without marinating in your valuable truth. So help us to do that, Lord Jesus, for your glory, for our good, and for the good of others around us. Amen.